From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, what's going on? Welcome into the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. It is a Wednesday late morning edition, and there are comings and goings on the Georgia football coaching staff. Super Bowl week, and Ryan, uh, the big news in your uh, neck of the woods. Why would you leave Oconee County High School hmm. to go to Jefferson? That's, is that a lateral move? Is that a step up? I mean, uh, I'd say lateral move until you look at compensation, and I think that has a big factor to do with it. You know, I think uh, about a... You know, not to give away details of, of people's personal life, but we can look that up in open record stuff. So uh, about a $15,000 difference, I would imagine, uh, in pay a year, which uh, I would leave this job for somewhere else. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, Jefferson has a good history. Uh, you know, Travis Nolan turned that. Wait a minute. People didn't tune in here to hear me break down Wait, Oconee can, County, Jefferson. Can you break down the impact of Georgia football? Because Jefferson is where uh, Malachi Starks went to. And, of course, Sammy Brown is there right now. And, who, and Oconee County has produced, too, Zach Mettenberger. Uh, Zach Mettenberger. The and Johnsons. Then, uh, yeah, both Johnsons Max that are Johnson. now at Texas A&M. Max Johnson. Yeah, Max and Jake. And then... Uh, Tony Taylor from Oconee County? Yeah. Wow, we're going back. Tyson Browning from Oconee County. Yeah. Um, you know, Jefferson has uh, always had some some good recruits. You know, Balsa Bailey's son just graduated from, from Jefferson. So a lot there is a lot of Georgia Where, ties. Where's he going? Uh, gosh, I can't remember. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, maybe Syracuse. I think it was Syracuse oh. that he's going to... He's going to go to, but uh, real fast though, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it was, you know, it was a move a lot of people would make. All right, we're going to talk about Georgia getting a new outside linebackers coach, and now they have an opening for a secondary coach for the fourth time in five years, I think it is. Uh, what Georgia has very uh, solid position that um, probably every co- uh, every program in the country would like to have, except for maybe one or two. I don't know. Kirby Smart's the head coach, and you know what? We're going to rank. The SEC's 14 head coaches, 1-14, to 14, give our take on them. I gave Ryan a little uh, homework assignment, which I texted him this morning. Did I was too busy doing Wordle app. I missed out on it. You didn't do it? You just no, but I, I have it in my head. I, I can I can rank them. All right, we'll we're not doing on. that now. Before that, before we, uh, we talk about the Georgia football coaching situation, and you know what? We'll mention also, we'll talk a little bit about basketball, which plays uh, men's team, a little action against Florida tonight. Yeah. It's the world's largest indoor um, uh, something party probably, in uh, what's, it, what's it called? It's something Tech Arena now. Uh, yeah, to... Exacto Tech or yeah, uh, yeah. something like that. But hey, you know one uh, Athens native, Flanders Fleming, with maybe the best name of all time in basketball. Uh, but outside, I think, of De- he's, he's Detlef, been, behind Detlef Shrimp, he's uh, in the starting lineup now for the Gators. I think. Yeah, I, you know, I think he might have been there all year. I was watching a game no, around no, Thanksgiving. He hadn't. He had, well, was, well he started the game around Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, think so. I think he's been a part-time starter. Um, but yeah, good for uh, good for him. All right, Ryan. Uh, really quick, um, Academy Award nominations are out. I know you've seen all of them. I've seen none of them. Uh, the, but the best, one of the best picture nominees, Power of the Dog. Is that um, a documentary on the 2021 <laughs> national champion Georgia Bulldogs? I see where you're going there. Uh, no, I, you know, I haven't seen it. I'm not a, a – they call it a xenophile. Is that what one is? Uh, so uh, on, the next, on the next podcast, we'll have Andrew Shearer, our uh, Athens Banner Herald movie uh, entertainment does, writer. Does he know and, that? I don't he, think, uh, he's seen every one of them. He's I ridiculous. know, but, but does he know that you've lined him up for the podcast? Uh, yeah, well, uh, he doesn't need to know. I was just telling him. 
Right. Here are the best picture nominees, and I've seen none of them. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune. Isn't there a movie called Dune like 30 years ago? King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, as uh, I mentioned, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Now, West Side Story I wouldn't mind seeing because, you know, it's an old uh, remake, I guess. Uh, Encanto is uh, nominated in some other categories. I think that's a Disney show. Uh, not a yeah, maybe I don't know. And Summer of Soul is uh, a documentary, I believe, on a uh, 1960s era um, music festival, which was uh, made by Questlove. Oh, that'd be cool to watch. But yeah, I hear Power of the Dog is a redemption story. Uh, you know, somebody uh, gets beat down and then comes back a month later and, uh, you know, celebrates in glory. All right, before we get into the meat of the podcast, which is Georgia football and Georgia athletics, Ryan, I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, You don't even know I was going to ask you this, but I know it's a pet peeve of yours. I wish I would have uh, warmed my voice up. (laughs) Uh, I know it's a pet peeve of yours. Do you want to say something about Bucky's? Someone else tweeted out a photo this morning. Uh, I need to know, is it better than a Wawa? Is it better than Sheets, Striplings, General Store? That's funny you should say that, because uh, I don't know if anybody knows what a Wawa is down here, to yeah. be quite honest Isn't that, It's like Pennsylvania or something? Well, I don't know, but we stopped in one in Virginia, yeah. going up to D.C. to yeah. visit my wife's family, uh, and that was my first time in a Wawa, and it was very, it was a, it was a you know, convenient store. I don't, I don't know what I'd say outside of that, uh, but I did get a pretty good sandwich there, made to order. My thing about Bucky's is it's okay. I mean, it's a big store. Never been there. I hate to say it. I, I think I passed it by, but I haven't gone. I, we stopped in just because I wanted to see what all the, the craze was about. And I know a lot of people in our industry uh, seem to uh, ha- join the cult that you have to take a picture to prove that you were <laughs> at a Bucky's. And I, I don't get it. I will say, uh, maybe this is too much information, the bathrooms are exceptional. Because I enjoyed a 10-minute uh, span in there, and it was great. Uh, but, you know, other than that, it reminded me of Striplings uh, here in Watkinsville. It reminded you of it. A, a larger Striplings. I mean, you know. And you're a big you, fan of Striplings, are you not? I do go to Striplings quite a bit to get meat. I don't take pictures of it. Mm-hmm. What do you get there? Uh, you know, Boston butt. I got some good steaks there the other day. Mm-hmm. Or not Boston butt, but just a uh, pork shoulder, right, I next, guess, is what I got. Next time you're there, why don't you uh, sidle up to the owner, the manager, and see if they want to sponsor the podcast. That's a good idea. I bet they, uh, I bet they wouldn't. But I could ask. But yeah, if you've never been in there, man, go back to their butcher counter. It's exceptional. It's a little, it's 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 pricey, but you 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 know you get what you pay for with it. It's delicious. How many of those are in the state? Uh, striplings. Isn't it a South Georgia thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do know it's a uh, chain uh, type of deal. You can franchise mm-hmm. it, but it's a neat little place. It's a neat little place. All right, let's talk about the new football hires, um, starting with the new outside linebackers coach. And uh, for him, I am going to pull up the pronunciation that I uh, took out of the Colorado Football Media Guide when he was – a defensive lineman there. His name is Shidera Uzo Daribe. Yep. Now that might be uh, corrected. It might have, uh, maybe the, the person at Colorado took it wrong. Uh, but I'm just ready to hear Scott Howard's pronunciation of it on the Georgia Dogs website. Uh, this is a 29 year old, um, up and coming, fast rising. Uh, position coach who Georgia hired from TCU where he was only there for a couple months as he uh, came over um, from SMU with the head coach there uh, when he when he switched over jobs and before that he was for a couple seasons at Kansas with Les Miles um, was a I don't know if it was quality control or graduate assistant he, he was on some kind of uh, you know uh, non 
he wasn't one of the ten assistant coaches for the first year he was there, according to to what uh, you know they put out there on their website, and then moved up into a position coach as uh, a. Um, I think it was a defensive line coach that next year. So he's only been a full-time head coach for two years. Uh, but this is, uh, you might remember when Glenn Schumann came over from Alabama, he was pretty young also. Um, you know, Todd Hartley is, is, you know, he's been around a little bit more obviously now, but, um, you know, Kirby Smart obviously seeing something, um, in him to want him, uh, to come to Georgia and, uh, uh, you know, get him on the on the uh, rise, and uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors there, right? You know, young, you can, uh, you know, you have that rapport with young mm-hmm. uh, players, you know, as a recruiter, and uh, you know, a guy with a lot of enthusiasm. I think that's uh, exactly what Kirby wants in this mm-hmm. program. Yeah, spoke to someone that covered him uh, at Colorado and, and just raved about the kind of guy he is, and uh, you know, was a captain at Colorado, so uh, from California. And so, you know, a lot of different areas he can hit into uh, on the recruiting trail. So, um, you know, fills a spot uh, of Dan Lanning, who left, obviously, for Oregon. Uh, And then now Georgia has uh, a third now opening for this offseason. Obviously, Cortez Hankton left for LSU. Brian McClendon, Big Mac, came back uh, from Oregon after Mm -hmm. three weeks or whatever at Miami. Uh, And now you have... uh, Jamal Adai leaving for Miami, uh, DB's coach, and, um, you know, that seems like a lateral move or maybe even a step down. Um, what do you make of that? Oh, well, that's his hometown, right? Or home state, at well, least. Well, Tam- uh, he's from outside Tampa. Where, you know, I guess getting getting closer to family. Was that a straight-up trade with him, McClendon? Or did uh, was there cash involved? <laughs> Draft picks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it is what it is. And it, like you said, uh, it is kind of odd that he would go more of a lateral move than maybe taking that next step up, you know, considering he's with the national champion. But, I mean, this is going to happen all the time for Kirby's staff, so I don't think he'll ever bat an eye. You know, he just uh, brings in a guy like uh, – the new, <laughs> the new coach who you just said his name, uh, which is, uh, we'll take their their word for the right pronunciation, and then you know you bring back uh, Brian McClendon, who's highly thought of around the area. So you know we see this every year, and especially when you have such a, uh, uh, you know, a great coaching staff that wins national titles, stuff's gonna happen. Doesn't even phase Kirby. Yeah, so Mel Tucker was a DB's coach, uh, and then he left, um, you know, replaced by the guy that uh, went for Indiana. Um, who am I, why am I drawing a blank on his name? I know, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, the thing about uh, Adai, I guess, is that what was he about 247 Sports was considered the number two uh, recruiter? Charlton Warren is yeah, who I was thinking of. Um, he was, but, you know, that kind of gets into what I was going to talk about next regarding that DB position. Well, you bring in a Malachi Stark, you're going to go up the, yeah. Well, I mean, they have, I think, four or five star uh, DBs. Um, but, look, Adai was hired, I think, Jan- late January last year. Will Muschamp was a, an off-field analyst, um, you know, all fall. I mean, all uh, spring and into the summer. Um, and then when he becomes uh, an on-field coach, what's Will Muschamp's background? What, what did he play at Georgia? He was a safety. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive guru, um, and he was very involved in coaching the safeties. Now, you know, that's not exactly what Jamal Adai uh, signed up for was to have somebody else helping coach the secondary. You don't know how that played in Kirby smart, obviously another former all sec safety, uh, 
defensive mind. So yeah. you really have a lot of people uh, with a lot of expertise helping out at that position. And, you know, maybe some people it rubs the wrong way. I don't know exactly w- if it did with him. And I also don't know how Kirby evaluated, uh, you know, what Jamal was doing and thinking, you know, if Muschamp's on the field now, what exactly is he coaching? So there's a little dy- lot, lot of different dynamics in there. Now, Adai was the number two ranked recruiter on the 247 Sports Coach Recruiting Rankings. Um, I made some calls on Monday. Um, one of the uh, DBs, I, I talked to the, the coach of uh, the guy out of Houston, um, one of the recruits that Georgia just uh, signed, and, and he said, well, Muschamp was the guy's main recruiter in terms of who came to his school and who was involved with him in Texas yeah, there. Humphreys, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Muschamp was already involved with a lot of these guys uh, in recruiting. Um, but that's not to diminish what Jamal Adai did. I mean, he helped coach a national championship defense, and he helped bring in these recruits, and you know, Kirby's on the lookout now for a new guy. So let's get this straight real fast. So Will Muschamp is co-defensive coordinator, right? That's his title. Along with uh, Schumann. Yeah. So let's say he fills that spot as the defensive back coach uh, or, you know, takes over defensive backs. What? what? I mean, I don't know if that's happening. I know. I, know. I don't just, think that's uh, happening. We're assuming here for a second or, or contemplating. I mean, what position then would be left to fill if that was the route? Because... You know, I mean, I, there's always I, there, that that that, would, that opens another. There, there's always the wild card, the wild card of whether they're going to put Scott Cochran back as a special teams exactly, coordinator. Exactly, so, yeah. I mean, and even Mike Bobo, who is an, an offensive analyst, from what George announced, when I asked Kirby about this at the signing day deal a week ago, you know, he said I, I asked him about what responsibilities Mike would have, and he said that's kind of to be determined. So, there's a lot of different variables in play here, and we'll see how it shakes out. One name that got some uh, attention um, from a report, I think it might have been the 247 Auburn site, and then mm-hmm. followed up with uh, our Gannett writer, uh, Bennett Durando, who covers Auburn in Montgomery, was that Zach Etheridge, the DB's coach at Auburn, is a uh, top target for another that, young enthusiastic guy it appears so. that position um yeah i think played for the 2010 championship team maybe at auburn so we'll see how that plays out um I mean, i'm sure by next week there's probably a good chance that georgia will have a, a new uh, assistant coach already on board mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see how uh we'll see what happens with that we're going to come back and talk about um let's give our little SEC head coaching rankings and then talk about basketball and this is the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. All right, a little public service announcement here. This might be a good time to remind you uh, if you want to go to, uh, I guess, Apple Podcasts, right, and give a five-star review. Yeah. Just, you know, it's kind of just to show, Ryan, you appreciate it. Not only Once the microphone's turned off here and, and the show's over, you know, I just go on my merry way. Ryan stays here and he sweats out the technical aspects of putting together the podcast, right, Ryan? That's right, yeah. Uh, it is a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes. I'll give you credit for uh, usually putting together a little, uh, you know, a little research before. Like nope. I, do. I nope. just I come just, in and start I just wing it. I don't do anything. But yeah, hey, also spot, uh, find us on Spotify. Oh. There you go. Um, is that going to help their subscriptions? Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, been a lot of cancellations yeah, there this say, week. Yeah. Uh, they're going to keep our podcast on the air for a little while. Or, Unless you say something that, uh, you know, might be. You know, be Spotify pays us the millions to be on there. So. Un- a little untoward. Um, also, uh, if you're not a subscriber to Athens Banner Herald, um, you can. We have some premium stories that only uh, you know can go to the those that subscribe, and I, we always have specials for new subscribers. Uh, is it like a is it a dollar for three months or a dollar for six months yeah, I now? Think so, yeah. 
Um, check it out. Uh, I did a story today uh, looking at Georgia's uh, new $80 million uh, expansion and renovation of the Butsamir building, which includes uh, a football operations center that uh, costs about $53 million itself as part of that $80 million. Looks at some of the bells and or you know a lot of the bells and whistles uh, behind the scenes and the impact it had on the program. Um, so check that out and um, it should be an interesting read. Uh, at least that's the hope. Uh, Ryan, let's get to our rankings of the SEC head coaches. And uh, you might be wondering why I decided this would be a good week for that. Brian Harson, uh, the coach at Auburn, as I, as I speak. Yeah, I didn't know if I should include him on my list. As I speak, uh, he might not be the coach for very long. By the time you listen to this, he might not be. I, I don't know. But... Um, you know that his uh you know seeming um vulnerability in that position might knock him down the list a long way but let's start from the bottom and work our way up okay ryan you go first considering that um you just talked about harson i'm curious whether he's at the bottom of your list he's not at the very bottom all right interesting i went with uh vanderbilt's coach say his name uh bobby johnson (laughs) (laughs) no no James, james franklin no. <laughs> it's Clark Lee, and he's also in the bottom of my list. Yeah. Um, only because he's just f- first-year head coach, just finished up, didn't obviously go great. Uh, got their butts whooped by Georgia and, and many others. Um, tough place to, to uh, coach and, and uh, you know, not the easiest place probably to get in a lot of athletes. Um, but you got to do do more in your first year to, to move up against some of these other SEC coaches, so he's 14th on my list. Yeah, yeah. 13th on my list, though, is Brian Harson. Yeah, you know what? I I am going to switch some things around. No, you can't. You can't yeah, do, no, no, no. Stick to your about, guns. Nope, nope, nope. I got to thinking about something else uh, just now. I, I, don't I agree th- with you, Harson. I don't think Brian Harson's a bad coach. I think he's a bad fit at Auburn. Um, I thought you were going to say person. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I haven't really spent any time with him personally. Um you know, things were going up pretty good. But, you know, when Georgia played there, they, they looked like they were, uh, you know, a decent team. And then they almost beat Alabama. You remember that? Went to overtime. I but remember ended of the season was something like a five-game losing streak. And um, I have him 13th on my list. Ron, who do you got? Yeah, I, I switched him to 13. I moved, I moved Eli Drinkwitz up to uh, 13th. And, you know, I, I don't think he's bad or Missouri's terrible. They just uh, – they've been, they've been struggling a little bit. So you have, you have Eli 12? Uh, no, I have him at uh, yeah twelve. Yep, that's what I have too as well. Um, I like him. I, th- I think he's a good personality. Yeah. Um, he's a fun coach, um, but you know I think he might be kind of into into some hot seat territory given what the rest of the SEC is doing. Um, so uh, you know he he might need to kind of crank that thing up this year. Mm-hmm. Number eleven on on your list, Ryan. I went Billy Napier. Man, you've been you've been copying me. You're cripping me. I know, and, and people think that we uh, looked at each other's list, but I've seriously just made it up. Uh, I, I got here. I got Napier 11 also, um, and the reason is he improved himself. Yeah, at, at Florida, I mean, he was a great coach at Louisiana, exactly, and and all, and I guess uh, was a great. Uh, was he a DB coach or whatever? Now, if we were ranking uh, coaches by creative names for hires, um, Billy Napier would be there. I think he's hired a you know a ton of off-field people with you know probably like director of engagement and you know director of fun. I, I don't know what all the all the names are, but um, he's up there. Number ten on my list is Shane Beamer at South Carolina. <laughs> is that what you got too? Yeah. <laughs> Let me just throw down my pad. Yeah, I went with Beamer too. Um, Look, he had a good first season. Um, you know, a lot of good things they did there, but um, it's just when you have a, 
a conference like this with, with the coaches uh, th- that are in this mm-hmm. conference, I mean, it's hard to, to jump up even higher than that. But but he certainly was, you know, some people put him as an SEC Coach of the Year type candidate. Uh, but I got him at ten on my list. Yeah, right, I think right. they they really had a you know a, a strong close to the year, and it was good to see them get that uh, him get the mayo slathered over him. You know, uh, you got number nine. I went with Heupel at Tennessee. I got Sam Pittman number nine at Arkansas. Um, you know, he has uh, certainly turned that program around from, you know, he had a long losing streak when he got there. Um, but the reason I have him at nine is um, I think Josh Heupel, uh, you know, did a good job at UCF, came to Tennessee and had a, a good first year and, and has a lot of returners to that team this year. And, you know, maybe that's the second best team in the SEC East this year. I don't know. But um, I'm going to have Heupel above Sam uh, right now. It's, it, it's you know, you, the, either way I think it's fine. So that was nine. Who you got at eight? No, no. Pittman, I had nine. I had Hypo eight. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. So, so you did just flip that. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Is that, you have, you have... Actually, no, I have the Pirate, Mike Leach, at number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, he's, he's, he's a good coach. Uh, a little crazy. Uh, obviously, unique offense that uh, is always high flying, but I don't, I don't think he's uh, anything more than mid pack of the conference. Well, mid-pack, you're talking about 14, so anywhere from 6 to 8 in my mind would be mid-pack. Mm-hmm. All right, number 7 on my list is Lane Kiffin at Old Miss, uh, who obviously <clears throat> had a terrific year this year. Um, but, you know, uh, Florida Atlantic, you know, was a different level, a group of five program. Um, Tennessee was a one-year deal. He went then to the Raiders. Is that, was that the order? Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. It, no, he went to Southern Cal mm-hmm. um, and got fired, got left on the tarmac there. <laughs> um, so in terms of an offensive mind, I'd put him up higher, but I'm going to put him at seven now. Um, I'm not going to let that one uh, terrific year last year at Ole Miss uh, elevate him above who my number six is, and that is Mike Leach. Okay. And the reason I have Leach on there is his body of work. It's less for what he's done at Mississippi State and more for what he's done in his career at Washington State, at Texas Tech. And uh, that program seems like, um, you know, I think they improved from the first year to the second year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. You want my seven? Yeah, yeah seven and six. I, I'm seven for me. I went Brian Kelly because I, I, some about him is never fully You don't like the impressive. way he dances. You don't like the way he dances. Yeah, that's a little awkward. Uh, you know, what was that? The... Uh, the Pulp Fiction uh, two fingers across the eyes. What the <laughs> hell was that? Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. He's he's never really impressed me. I don't think that was a great hire by LSU, to be honest. Now, I'll pull up this podcast in three years after LSU's won another national title, and I'll eat my words. But I just uh, – I feel like there was – uh, more, you know, people out there that more coaches that just uh, inspired me more if I were LSU. So I've got him at number seven. I got Sam Pittman at number six. I think uh, what he did to uh, turn Arkansas around, get them competitive. You know, he's he's getting them uh, recruiting rankings. He's he's bringing in some some good players. You know, hitting the portal pretty well. And you just got to love the guy, right? I mean, he's just such a great guy that I, I think. Unless they're playing Georgia, Georgia fans are going to pull for the guy just for what he did at Georgia and, and what he's doing at, at Arkansas and the success he's having is, is really great to see. Mm, interesting. So you have you have Sam Pittman ahead of Brian Kelly. Interesting. I do. <clears throat> All right. Uh, my number five is Jimbo Fisher. He won a national title at Florida State. Uh, kind of left that program in shambles, though. Um, and slowly he has built Texas A&M up now. They look like a behemoth now with the number one recruiting class. Um, but Given Florida State, you know, has already won a national title or two with, with Bobby Bowden, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see if, if Texas A&M can be a, 
uh, playoff type team this year. Um, but I'm going to put Jimbo at number five. All right, I got Lane Kiffin at five. I think with what he's done with Ole Miss, the way he's – I mean, he had him in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl this past year as a, uh, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl. So I think what he's done with that program, he's kind of turned them around. He's got, you know, the silliness, the sarcasm, the – you know, he has the, the portal. He's attacking strong, bringing in a lot of good players. I think – I think he's uh, taken, embraced this new way of coaching college football and having fun with it. I like to see it. You realize Georgia Tech played in the New Year's Six Bowl a couple of years ago? Uh, I kind of forgot about that. They've been so bad. Didn't they play in the Orange Bowl? Yeah. But, I mean, we're talking like 2013, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, uh, they played Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Uh, my number four coach is Mark Stoops, uh, who – uh, has done a terrific job at Kentucky and, uh, you know, m- pretty much maximized that program. Um, you know, a little bit interesting that during this um, co- coaching carousel, he didn't move somewhere else. You know, he would have been an interesting hire at LSU, I think. I would have done that over Brian Kelly. Yeah. Um, I don't know about I don't know about that, but I, I will <laughs> say that, um, you know, if if the Cincinnati coach left, uh, he could have been a good. You know, it seems weird to to move from an SEC program to Cincinnati, but he he coaches uh, or he recruits very well in Ohio. Um, you know, maybe he should have even been a candidate to be the head coach at Oklahoma when uh, uh, you know mm. that opened up and his his, his brother brother coached, brother in, the, coached yeah. in the bowl game. But um, I have Stoops four, then I have Brian Kelly three. I know you're not a Brian Kelly fan. Uh, but if you look at what he did at Central Michigan, at Cincinnati, then went to Notre Dame, um, got that team in the playoff. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of natural uh, advantages um, for being the head coach at Notre Dame. Um, and he made an interesting move going to LSU. Um, you know, I would downgrade him for his social media appearances for this offseason and for talking about his family. <laughs> family. Oh, How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I think he's a good coach, and I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can kind of take LSU back to that, uh, you know, pounding on the door of the playoff and, and, you know, what he can do there. But let me hear your three and four. Has Brian Kelly ever coached besides, I guess, with Notre Dame? Before Notre Dame, had he ever coached in Sanford Stadium? Central Michigan. Yeah, in 07. And Antonio Brown was on that team, too. I believe I talked to him because I did a story back then Yeah. on, um, I think it was Willie Mart- Martinez might have coached with him earlier in their careers, or there they was some uh, connection to the Georgia staff. Maybe it was John Jancic, who is now back with him uh, at LSU, left Georgia's um, off-field uh, analyst job for a similar job at LSU. Yeah, that was uh, the no Sean Hurdle game that they played here in uh, in Sanford Stadium. All right, I think I got four and three. I went Jimbo four. And, you know, after thinking about that, I might have put him a little lower. I mean, he's, he, you know, big recruiting season this past year, but they still went, what, eight and five this past year? Is that right, at A&M? When they had all these expectations. Now, one of those wins was over Alabama, which got everybody all excited. But other than that, I mean, I think they've uh, – they, they haven't been up to the expectations that – they had when they brought Jimbo Fisher into the program. Texas Anime eight and four. I think they had to opt out of their bowl okay. game. Okay. Well, still not the type of season I think that uh, they expect around around A and M. Number three, uh, Stoops, because uh, you know, like you said, exactly. Kentucky football is relevant, and uh, they hadn't gotten over that hurdle to to get past Georgia, and I don't think they will anytime soon, but. You know what he's done to get that program uh, in a winning position and, and go nine and three. You know, year in year out with him has uh, has been very impressive. 
Number two on my list is Kirby Smart. He has built a monster at Georgia. You might have heard they won the national title. Been to a bunch of New Year's Six games, but there's somebody that's still in the conference that it's hard to to put uh, Kirby ahead of mm-hmm. right right yet. You maybe you win another and, and it can get more of a conversation piece just because if you see it as a total, uh, you know, turning of the tide and handing of the baton or whatever. But for now, I got Kirby one and uh, one Mr. Nick Saban. I mean, Kirby two, Nick Saban one. He's done it uh, for 15 years now at Alabama. I think it's seven national titles, something like that in his career, including one at LSU. Um, and, uh, you know, probably, you know, might go down as the greatest college football coach of all time. I so, say, uh, I mean, he's the GOAT. You got you to gotta put him at number one. And uh, I would think Kirby would even still say that probably. Oh, of course. I mean, Kirby's still, what, one in four against him? One in five? Next time we get an availability with Kirby, it uh, might be like, you know, right before spring practice or on the first day of spring practice. I'll be like, Kirby, this is a long-winded question, but can you kind of rank the SEC coaches? I, I was going to say, uh, yeah, uh, we, we ranked our uh, coach, we, the coaches on our podcast, if you don't mind uh, giving us some input. Go. But, yeah, same order, Kirby and then Nick Saban. I mean, I, I, I don't think it matters what Kirby does for the next few years. He, <laughs> You still put Nick Saban up top just because he is the, the greatest coach uh, probably we've ever seen in college football history. All right, a little segue here. We're not going to rank the SEC basketball coaches 1-14, to 14, but we are going to talk about Georgia basketball. And at, at number 14. <laughs> what? Is that your list? Uh-oh. Oh, man. I know what you're, oh, well, they are 14th in the standings, so that's what you're getting at. Uh, well, yeah. Um, they're playing in Florida tonight, 6.30 uh, p.m. tip on the SEC network. I believe the Gators are about 14.5 points uh, favorite, something like that. Um Number one, Auburn, you might have heard. They were upset on the road, but not by Georgia, by close, Arkansas. Close. By Arkansas. By the way, did you watch see that game last night? Uh, yeah, I turned it over with 30 seconds left in overtime. I got a heads up from my dad. Uh, well, I here's what I'll say. I'm, I'm into the Olympics, man. I'm all in. I'm all in. How crazy was that Like last dunk and then... It didn't count. It should have counted. Did they count it? I don't know if it counted. I wasn't paying that much attention. I was to looking at the ref just whole ass. Well, no, I, I was. The dude was like swinging on the rim. Almost did he hit the guy in the head? That was like. First of all, why was the Auburn guy down there? What was he doing? I guess he was upset that the other guy was about to score I think on him. So, yeah, yeah. And then the lights went down, and I mean, who knows what was going on? It was. It was, looked like a madhouse kind of. But I know. I, yeah, I did see the uh, celebration, and uh, did you see Musselman's interview? Man, was, with the shirt off. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw it with his arm you well, know, he, no, in the he, tunnel. He already had his arm in the sling. I know that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying, in the tunnel afterwards, with his arm in the sling, and he was passionately talking about how Auburn danced on their logo or something before yeah, the game. that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, it could have been Georgia. Let's go back to the game Saturday. Georgia loses, I think, 74-72. Uh, Ryan, was it a charge? Um I'm not certain, but, I, you know, was he set? Jackson Etter usually gets that call. Um, I I don't know if, if, it, if it should have been a charge or not. Even though Tom Crean said after the game he definitely thought it was, as did Jackson Etter. Then Crean took his case to the SEC, uh, you know, Sunday or Monday. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. They're not going to change anything. I thought it should have been a charge. I mean, watching it live, I thought it was, it was definitely a charge. Uh, I was kind of surprised there was a no call. I guess when it comes down to that, you know, a lot of refs, hey, we're not going to, you know, decide this game. But I thought it should have been a charge. Uh, I'm not mad, you know, that it wasn't a charge if I'm a Georgia fan. Uh, I mean, you got to stop the guy right there. And the, the fact that 
they were able to Auburn was able to run out there and just sprint down the court and pretty much get a layup out of it. That should never happen. And then, you know, Georgia had a chance there at the end. They were out coached on that last uh, play because everybody knew exactly what they were doing when they threw the ball into Bauman. He was going to hand it off to Cook, getting a head start. And so what did Bruce Pearl do? He just said, hey, you're going to stand right here and block him off from going down the sideline. And so it threw Cook off, and he had to heave a half-court play. So – Anyway, hey, uh, you got to give it to Georgia for the effort there in the second half. I mean, they shouldn't have been, you know, within 10 miles of Auburn. Came out with a lot of passion in the second half. So if a charge was called, um, it's going to overtime anyway, right? Well, maybe there would uh, have been more time on the clock and Georgia would have gotten the ball with maybe six seconds left. Mm, okay. I mean, give it to Bauman, hit a three, he's 50-50. Well, he missed the three from the corner with yeah, 13 did. seconds <laughs> to go or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Georgia's had these kind of games where, you know, Texas A&M, I think they, they had a chance to win at the end. Um, and the other team made the big shot again. Um, what, you know, it seems like at home they can they have these kind of games. I mean, do, do you think that they, uh, they pull a W at tonight? No, not at all. I mean... Though I will say that somehow Florida has been the team that Crean has been best against on the road, it seemed like. They pulled off that upset with Claxton and that group. It was the first season, right? And then uh, I feel like they went down there. Oh, you know what it was? They went down there with Edwards and built like a 25-point lead and lost it. <laughs> oh, that guy. Did you see uh, Anthony Edwards last week uh, ordering some McDonald's on uh, his post game deal? McChicken said he. Do we talk about that in the podcast last no, week? I don't think so. All right, well, here's my point with this. Doesn't he have an He needs to have an entourage that gets his own McDonald's. He doesn't need to be ordering on an app. Nor it, the off the dollar menu, but he said he's going to wait till after his rookie contract. I mean, <laughs> can he afford his own McDonald's? Can he just own a McDonald's? I know. You'd think he'd just call his butler or something like that. Just they, look, here's what I would say. I don't, I don't know exactly where the Target Center is. Is that what's still called? Target Center? Sounds right. Oh, no, that's, no that's, Wisconsin. that's baseball. That's Wisconsin. Target Center is baseball for Minnesota. And and the uh, – no, yeah. no, Cole Center Cole is Center. Wisconsin. All right, anyway. here, here's the point. I don't know where Anthony lives in Minneapolis, but you you got you to buy McDonald's on your way home. You hit the drive through window. Just say the boss is coming through. <laughs> have your have your go-to, uh, whatever it is, to go. And then, uh, yeah, you're good to go. Well, I tell you, we don't need to debate uh, his uh, – 20-year-old eating habits, but I do find that he has made himself certainly lovable uh, throughout. Of course, Bulldog Nation still, you know, adores him, but I think, you know, he's a guy that he's playing well and then, you know, gives off this persona. He's just a normal guy that can order McDonald's. Um... Post game, he he could have been more lovable at Georgia, but uh, if memory serves me correctly, didn't they always bring out multiple guys at the same time? So like you know, Anthony didn't have the whole stage to himself. Yeah, I remember had, him and uh, Jordan Harris a few times yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. but you know, I do remember him talking about his dog that time. Were you in there on that? I might have been in there. Uh, you weren't in there, but you know, he had gotten a new dog. Was talking about that. You know, just just lovable stuff from a teenager. All right, yeah, I mean, Georgia obviously pushed number one Auburn to the brink. And Katie Johnson, fans were not happy to see him back in, in – well, I guess the 40% Auburn fans were, but <laughs> otherwise um, – Yeah, I heard him get – you know, through the TV, I could hear him bo- get booed when he touched the ball from time to time. But I was, they didn't show the intros, and I was curious how bad it was. Well, I, it wasn't as much the intros as it just – every time he touched the ball, he was getting booed. You know, I was at the, I was at the game, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't seem to bother him, though. He's the kind of guy that I think really – Oh, he craves fe- it. Yeah, he, he gets fueled by yeah. that thing, so – so we'll see what uh, the uh, Bulldogs uh, have going. What else? Um, the women's basketball team had a loss to Florida, speaking of the Gators. Sunday they got at LSU and then home against um, South, South Carolina. Carolina. Mm-hmm. 
new softball coach uh, Tony Baldwin starts Baldwin today, starts thir- this Thursday, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then baseball will be heading up next week. So. Ten days. What's today? The eighth, ninth, nine days from today. Know. All right, everyone, uh, have a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. See you.